This is a message from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas, a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. Grace Church is affiliated with Sovereign Grace Ministries. The Grace Church website is gracechurchfrisco.org. The speaker for this message is Craig Cabanis, the senior pastor of Grace Church. We're going to start with Colossians 4, uh, beginning in verse 2. And let me communicate a little bit what we're doing, in case maybe you're new here or just, uh, just popped in. Uh, last week, we put some images of a, of a new building up out there in the lobby. We're in the middle of, so you may have seen that and said, what's going on? Is this church moving or something? We're, we're in the middle of a series that we're calling Prepare for the Square. Uh, as we are uh, relocating to uh, Frisco Square, God willing, we have a donated piece of property right there by city behind City Hall. And so we are... Um, we're planning to build and move uh, over there. And so what we began to do is we began to think, okay, what if we were there? What if we were a church located uh, in, the, in the town center, in the city square there? What if we were located there? What, what would that be like? But with that kind of connection and, and access in the city, the opportunity to serve that that provides, what, what would that be like? And what kind of church would we want to be then? And so as we began to think about what that might be like, we sort of reverse engineered it and got to today and said, well, let's be that church. God's calling us to be that church today. And whether we end up there or stay here for 50 years, uh, in one way, that's irrelevant. We want to be the church that God has called us to be. But as we looked ahead and planned, it began to cause us to think about what kind of church we would want to be that would be fulfilling God's mission to reach those who don't know him. And so that's what we're doing about doing now. So we've been talking about making disciples, reaching people, and uh, preparing to be on the square. So today I want to talk about prepare through prayer. Prepare through prayer. And I want to talk about our call to, to prayer for the Great Commission. Prayer for reaching loss. That's another reason we're having these testimonies so that we can be praying for various people that we are in partnership with outside of our area as well, not only here. If you are new, uh, we'd want you to know that the church, every church, every local church has a mission. And maybe you aren't a Christian. Maybe you're exploring Christianity. Maybe this could be a little weird that you're here kind of checking out Christianity. And we're talking about the mission that we're called to, well, if I could be frank, reach you, help you, tell you the good news. And so it could be a little strange that we're talking about this mission that we're on if you aren't maybe even a Christian or you're new or something like that. And I guess I just want to say I think it's fantastic that you're here. I think it's wonderful because what you're finding out is that to be a Christian and to know Jesus Christ as your Savior means that you're not only related to him, which is everything, uh, you not only have your sins forgiven by him, which is everything, once you become a Christian and believe, but you're also joined to his people who have a purpose, and that purpose is to tell other people that same good news. So to be a Christian is to believe in Jesus, that he died for our sins, that he was buried, and then he was raised on the third day. It's to turn from our sins and to believe in him and to receive new life and then to be joined to his people on a mission. And that mission is the most important thing that is happening on planet Earth. It is the mission of telling the good news to other people so that they receive eternal life 
So they meet God and so that they live for what they were created for, which is to tell about this wonderful God that we know. So it's really wonderful that you'll be here, even if the theme might seem a bit foreign to uh, to what you might be expecting. We don't if you're exploring Christianity, we don't just meet Jesus to get our lives fixed. Uh, He will fix your life for eternity by giving you a new heart and welcoming you to himself. But we're, we're, we're about something much bigger than that. We're a part of a mission to help others and serve others with the love of Christ as well. So we don't exist just for ourselves, but we exist for him and for the good of others. So that's what we're going to talk about today is praying about the Great Commission. Prepare through prayer. Prayer and the mission. How does the mission to reach people with Jesus Christ and prayer, how do they coincide? And what's the place of those together? So Colossians 4, beginning in verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are about reaching people with your good news and changing lives, granting eternal life, new life, fresh life. Uh, And we thank you for that. Thank you that you have reached many of us in this room with that news. And we pray that we would be a part of taking that news to people in our town, um, beyond us in our region and to the nations. We want to be faithful to your commission. And we pray today that you would show us Show us our calling to pray and to pray for this great harvest of reaching people with the gospel. Lord, speak to us about this today. Open our eyes. And Lord, I pray by grace you would motivate us with a heart for prayer. Lord, would we be a people whose heart beats with intercession, crying out for the gospel to go forth, to multiply, to bear fruit, to reach people all around us. And may that start today, we pray, O oh God. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're not doing a study through Colossians. Normally we just teach through books of the Bible, but this is a series where we're looking at different texts. So in the book of Colossians, what I want you to know is that it is a book that emphasizes the preeminence of Jesus Christ. And in it, Paul is refuting some false teachers, things they were teaching. He's dealing with a lot of different areas. He's dealing with how can Christians change. He's, he's just been dealing in this letter with how, to, how are Christians to behave uh, in their families, what is Christian family life supposed to look like? So it is a it is a book where he is dealing with issues within a church, but but it's never just within a church because even though he's talking about inward growth, there is this connection that we just read about focusing outward. We're never to focus inward alone, but we're to focus inward so that we may glorify God as a people, grow inwardly so that we may glorify God, but so that we may be effective in reaching those who don't know him. And that's where he is transitioning in chapter four, where we just read. And he is he's calling the church to, first of all, verse two, continue steadfastly in prayer to continue steadfastly in prayer. Um, it might help to say, what, what, what really is prayer? 
Recently, someone asked me this. I was meeting with them, and they just kind of said, what is prayer? How do you, how do you pray? We can just toss that out uh, like it's something very familiar, and maybe it is to many of us, but maybe not so much to others. Prayer is very simply communi- for the Christian to communicate to our Heavenly Father. That's what Jesus says. When you pray, pray this way, our Father in heaven. So we're coming to the Father who has adopted us and made us part of his family. He is also the God who is in heaven. He is above all. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, our Father in heaven. And we are praying to this God who is near and to this God who is also way beyond us, both near and distant, both close and intimate and great and powerful beyond what we can imagine, both the heavenly Father. And we prayer is simply our communicating to him, our love, our worship, our adoration to him. It is casting our cares upon him, the scripture says. It is making requests of him as well. And so they are, we're told here that we are to continue steadfastly in prayer. The one thing about prayer that is so true at its most basic level, prayer is an acknowledgement that we are dependent, that we are dependent, that we are not self-sufficient. When we pray, we are communicating to God, we don't have it all together. We need you. You are eternal. You are glorious. You are mighty. We are weak. You are holy. Uh, You are gracious. You are loving. You know all things. You can do all things. You control all things. And we need you. So prayer is fundamentally a communication of our dependence on our Heavenly Father. And please note the opposite. Prayerlessness is a failure to acknowledge our dependence and is at least an implicit statement that we are autonomous and we are self-sufficient. When I'm prayerless, I'm primarily recognizing that I think it's okay, that I'm okay, and I'm failing to realize my need for God. But prayer is coming to God and realizing our need. And so he tells them to continue steadfastly. That means regularly in this life of communicating our heart, our need, our praise to God, our Father, that we are to be watchful, that is, that we're to pay attention, that we're not just to pray in a rote way, sort of running through rote prayers, running through a prayer checklist, but we're to pray observantly, that we're to be aware, that we're to be watchful in prayer, that we're to recognize our need, that we're to recognize the need of others, that we're to be in tune to the world around us so that we're watchful. As we're praying, it's just not this mindless sort of religious activity but it's informed, it's alert, we're aware, we're in tune to what's going on, we're not asleep, and we're taking what's going on in our lives, we're aware of what's God doing around us, and we're bringing that to Him in prayer. Steadfastly, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. A big part of prayer is our thankfulness to God. So we're thanking God for what He's already doing. We're not just coming and asking for new stuff, but we are aware of what He's doing and we are thanking him for what he's doing. And, and get this, I, I believe that if we are watchful, he says, be watchful with thanksgiving. If we are watchful, we will be thankful. Because if we're alert of all that God is doing, of all that God has provided for us, of all the many ways that his love is on display, his care is on display for us and for those we love, 
as we are aware of his provision, of how he is at work, of what he has done in our lives and in the life of our church and in the life of so many others that we love and care about, when we see God at work, when we see primarily his provision for us in Jesus, when we see what Jesus has done for us in dying for our sins, when we are watchful for the grace of God, we will be thankful. So he says, pray steadfastly, pray alertly or watchfully, pray with gratitude and thanksgiving. And then he says, verse three, at the same time, pray also for us. This letter is written from Paul and Timothy. So he's saying, pray for us, Paul and Timothy. Paul is a, he's a, uh, a church planter, someone who starts churches. He's a missionary. He goes out where people don't know the Lord, where there's no Christians. He tells them about Christ. And then as people believe, they start churches. And then he gets one started and then he moves on to another city. That's what Paul does. And so he's saying, please pray for us in this. Pray that, uh, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison. So he's imprisoned while he's writing this. He's chained probably in a dungeon, in a cell, and he is writing this letter to this church in Colossae that he loves and cares for. But, but note this about Paul. He is saying at the same time, pray for us that God may open a door for the word. When I said prayer is dependent, Paul is aware of his need. Paul is aware that he needs God to reach others through him, that he can't do that on his own. He needs God to grant access to open a door. He, need God, he needs God to lead the way. He needs God to lead him to open people. He needs God to open the hearts of those he speaks with. He needs God to grant him opportunities. That's what he's praying for. So when he talks about mission, and this is what he's praying, an open door for the word of God, that's mission. When he talks about mission, he is immediately aware of his dependence. And in his dependence, he is praying and he's asking others to pray for him. The Apostle Paul who wrote the largest chunk of our New Testament, the Bible we're reading, the Apostle Paul who had more skill more knowledge of God, more experience with God, more intimacy with God, more revelation from God, more articulacy, and when you read what he writes, more articulacy, more clarity on the gospel, more power, more miracles, uh, more gifts than everyone in this room combined likely. When Paul brings all of this to the table, his knowledge, his ability, his, his courage, his gifts, when he brings all that, he says, I need God, and would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? He is not self-sufficient in the mission. He knows that God must fulfill God's mission and that God will do that through prayer. Now, John had no idea what I was going to talk about today. I love what he said in the, in the little uh, presentation, little interview this morning. He said, would you pray for us? And he said something like, and that's not just a throwaway statement. But that is so true. It is like the Christian thing. It is so much the Sunday school answer to say, uh, pray for me. <laughs> or I'm praying for you. It is so, we can be so light with that. I can be so flippant with that. Well, let's just pray. And, and sometimes it's just something that we do from habit. Sometimes it's an afterthought. Often for me, it's not the first place I go, but it's the last place after I've exhausted all my other resources. So after I've done everything I can and it's not working out, then I go to God. Sometimes it's more of a last resort than a first conversation for me. Maybe for you too. 
But for Paul, he's saying, this is where we're starting. I want an open door to reach people. I'm in prison. I want more people. I've been in prison for the gospel, but, and I want to take the gospel to more people. So would you pray for me? This is throughout his letters. Paul says this, and he believes in the power of this. A few scriptures I want to look at this morning real briefly. This is, this is where you see this in Paul's ministry. 2 Corinthians 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. This is what he says. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Do you get what he says? We, we help us with your prayers. Pray for us, Corinthians. He's just had a very difficult time. He talks about a terrible time he had in Asia where he despaired of life in his ministry. And so he says, help us by prayer. And he says, so that many will, will meet God. They will give thanks for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. God grants the blessing through prayers. He's talking about mission. He's talking about reaching more people with the gospel. And he makes this point. God answers the prayers. God reaches the people. God opens the hearts. But he does it through something. Through the prayers of many. Many people's prayers have an effect. God is sovereign, yes, and God has chosen to answer prayers. So many people's prayers have an effect, and that's what Paul says, you must help us by your prayers. When he's in prison, in another letter uh, he's writing, probably from the same imprisonment, he writes to Philippians. And speaking of his imprisonment, in Philippians 1.19, he says this, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. How will I be delivered? Well, by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, through your prayers. This isn't just a polite, hey, let's all pray. This is, I, man, I need this. I need God to act, and God has chosen to act through prayers. He lives, he's living on a prayer. He is living by prayer. He is living with the power of prayer. The church helps Paul by prayer. God works through prayers. We could say it this way. The mission is dependent on prayer. If the mission is dependent on prayer for Paul, how much more for me and how much more for you? How much more is reaching people with the gospel? How much more is serving people, loving people, caring for people? How much more are we dependent on prayer? See, the gospel is not only dependent on faithful preaching or faithful testimony, but it's also dependent on faithful prayer. And it's the faithful prayer that fuels the faithful preaching. It is the faithful prayer that fuels the faithful testimony. It's the faithful prayer that makes the preaching effective. It's the faithful prayer that makes the testimony effective. It's our dependence on God and our acknowledgement to God that makes it effective that calls God, calls out to God and he answers. Listen, how many of us are here today because somebody prayed? They, they prayed for you personally or they prayed for a church service where you heard the gospel preached. And why did it make sense to you that day? Well, in part because God was answering prayers. I, I'm a product of prayer. I am very well aware of that. Probably not aware enough, but I'm very well aware I was raised by a praying mom. I'm talking about a praying mom. I'm talking about pray for a parking space kind of a mom. 
I'm talking about, we would laugh sometimes, I'm talking about pray like, I'm praying the green beans turned out okay, and I'm thinking, I'm not even eating the green beans, but I'm glad you're praying for them. <laughs> praying, I mean, she's praying all the time. Sometimes we would kind of laugh. I mean, which would you rather have, a, a, a mom who's praying for the green beans or a mom who ain't praying at all? And God answered her prayers. When she died, we found some of her journals and saw where she was praying specific things for each of her kids. Very humbling to see what my mom was praying for me for all those years. I I believe, acknowledging a sovereign God, I believe she prayed all her kids into the kingdom. And those two aren't mutually exclusive. They work together. She prayed her kids into the kingdom. All, all her kids are, are walking with the Lord as adults. And now there's, she's not here to see it, but now there's another generation of uh, kids following her kids that are meeting the Lord and are walking with Him. A few weeks ago, I shared a story about, I came to the Lord at 10, um, and then I shared a story about how I was in high school, I fell away from the Lord for a little while, and how I met this student, this friend who was uh, this radical Christian who was power, in high school, was like speaking boldly about the Lord, way out of place in high school, and was telling people. And, and when I came in contact with him, I was, you may remember the story, I, I said, well, man, I don't have what this guy has. I'm like, a, I'm like a Christian who's not really into it. And he's like a Christian who's really into it, uh, as if there's the two kinds of, like, I'm the Christian who's just sort of moderately interested in Jesus, and he is the Christian who really loves the Lord. And uh, so I was a Christian who really loved the Lord too, but I had sort of drifted from my first love. That's what happened. So I told you about how through his example how I just felt convicted and I looked out to the Lord and said, Lord, there's got to be more for me. And I turned to him. What I didn't tell you that I, that I, I don't think I told you. If I did, just humor me. I'm getting old. I tell the same stories over and over. But what I don't think I told you was that after I came back and started seriously following the Lord, he revealed to me that he, and I believe it was three other friends who were Christians, were getting together and praying for people on the campus and that they were regularly praying for me by name. And I feel like I was launched into the kingdom through my mom's prayers, and I think I was launched into a turning afresh after I drifted and was catapulted into having a heart for people through the prayers of others. It's almost like prayer was like pulling back like a, uh, like a slingshot, you know, like pulling back the sling. And there's this prayer, this wrestling. Actually, Paul uses the word strive in prayer. There is this striving in prayer. And then when God acts and it lets go, boom, someone's saved. It's like they're shot. Their, their dead heart comes to life. Or they repent and turn from their sin. God starts working. But it's that striving, that stretching, that hidden work that prepares, that prepares the public work that God does. Now look specifically what the work is he talks about. Pray also for us, verse 3, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. That means to explain the good news that Jesus died for sinners and was resurrected to save us, to give us new life, to forgive our sins, and to defeat the power of sin and death. So that's the mystery of Christ on account of which I am prison. Pray that he may open a door. Now, what's he talking about? Is this literally... I was going to say no, but maybe if you're in prison, he is praying for a little open door that he gets free, maybe. But it's, it's a metaphor. When you say a door opened up for me, what do you mean? You mean that, that there is an opportunity. You mean that there is access, that there is passage, that there is passport, that there is, that there is entrance. And so he's saying, I want you to pray 
he doesn't say pray that I get real connected. And nothing wrong with praying that we meet people and have divine appointments. But he doesn't pray for that. He doesn't say pray that I get connected. He says pray for a door to open for the word to go through. This is the message of the gospel. See, God uses individuals and God uses churches to proclaim the gospel. But Paul has this statement here, and it's not unique here. But he has this statement that when the door opens, it's not the church that walks through. When the door opens, it's not Paul that walks through. When the door opens, the word walks through the door. The good news walks through the door. Paul has this way of speaking about the good news like it's its own animated power. Like the news, it's not news, it's not like a newspaper. Remember those? Or like, uh, you know, what you read on your computer or your iPad. Uh, it's not that kind of a newspaper. It's not just like an inanimate, it's not an inanimate words on a page. It is words on a page, but they're living and they're active and they have power from God. They're God breathed. And so we're opening a door, praying the door open. So that word of God goes forth because when the word, when the good news, when the testimony, when the truth of Jesus goes forth, it has power and it'll penetrate a heart and change a person. It'll reach a people. When the word of God goes forth, when a door of access is opened, the word of God goes forth. God will change a city or a region, or a nation, when the word of God in its reviving power brings light to those who are in darkness. And that's what he's praying for. Not praying, hey, I hope it goes well with me. The guy's in prison. If I'm in prison, my first 50 requests have to do with, could I get a good meal? Uh, Would you pray that, seriously, they stop beating me? Would you pray that I could get a shower? Would you pray that I could have a friend? Would you pray that I wouldn't be in isolation and solitary confinement? Would you pray that I could get out of here? He doesn't say, would you pray I can get out of here? He says, would you pray a door opens up, an access, a passageway for the good news to go forth? Because that good news is powerful. Look what he says in the beginning. If you have a Bible, look back to chapter 1. Here's what he says in verse 5. He says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth. You've heard the word of truth, the gospel Verse 6, which has come to you, the gospel came to you, as indeed the whole world, it is bearing fruit and growing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. The gospel is growing. It's power. The message, Jesus has died and risen. That's done. That fact is completed. But its effect is growing. It's bearing fruit. It's like this tree and there's fruit all over it. It's expanding. That's what he's talking about. Open a door so that it bears fruit and expands. This is common elsewhere in the Bible. This is what Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 3. Finally, brothers, pray for us. He's always asking for prayer. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. Paul, what are we supposed to pray? Like the word of God, the gospel, the good news, that it would race ahead. That it wouldn't have an impediment, that it wouldn't get blocked, that it wouldn't get shut down or shut out, that the word of God would grow, the gospel would expand, the gospel would bear fruit, that it would speed ahead. Pray for us that the word may speed. This is what we want to pray, that the gospel would have an effect. The book of Acts, this kind of language is used multiple times. If you just were to go back and search the prayers of Acts, here's what you'll find. Here's one, Acts 6. And the word of God, or statements or prayers, you'll find both. And the word of God continued to increase 
And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to death, uh, became obedient, I'm sorry, to the faith. A great many priests became obedient to the faith. This is what we want. We want the word of God to increase. What kind of church do we want to be? We want to be a church where the word of God is going forth right here on Sunday mornings, but during the week. The word of God is going forth and the testimony is not, wow, check out Grace Church. Hey, there are really some nice people over there. Whoa, they can Skype on Sunday mornings. They're technologically advanced. Or Google Chat or whatever we did. They have fog. They've got music. They've got lights. They're great. You should see. Have you seen their building? We do not want any of that. We want this. The word of God is speeding forth. The word of God is growing. The gospel is bearing fruit. It is going out from us, from our mouths, from our lives, through our friendships, in our relationships, in our workplace, in our families, in our neighborhood, in our gatherings. As we get together, people are coming. And the word of God can speed forth from here. The word of God can increase and multiply right in here as someone comes in who does not know the Lord. Look at what else it says. Acts 19. This is what he writes. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. See, I'm into prosperity theology, if that's what we mean. If we're talking about us prevailing problem-free, that's not in the Bible. But if we're talking about the word of God prospering and God saving people and God's power, God's rule and reign prevailing even in suffering... I'm all about that. A prevailing word of God. It's increasing. It's growing. It's not stilted. It's not being smothered. It's not dying out. You can't hide the message of Jesus. He is on display like a city set on a hill. The church is to be a city set on a hill, beaming the light of good news. Light penetrating the darkness. See, there is momentum. There is movement in the gospel. It is not a staid message that's just supposed to be kept privately in my devotion, my devotionals are are even in the church, it's something that spreads, increases, grows, there's movement. And that's why Paul says, pray that a door opens up so the gospel penetrates. It, It has access. It touches people. So we pray that the good news will speed ahead from us and that it will prevail and that we scatter and the gospel's prevailing and we gather And bring somebody with us, and the gospel is prevailing. And this is what we must pray for. This is one of the things I'm excited about Frisco Frisco Square. I mean, it's only like a mile away. Is there any real difference in, in like a mile move? In some ways, maybe not. But in terms of an open door, in terms of access in terms of passport, in terms of a open door for connection for the gospel to walk through, absolutely there is a difference. There's a difference for the gospel to go through the tool of an open door that can be tied to location. I, I mean, I've shared this a couple times. The latest numbers I saw, and it may be more now, because I think this is a dated figure, that 3.2 million People, 3.2 million people visit Frisco Square annually. They did a survey of John Elliott, the street out here. 3.2 people visit annually. <laughs> that was two dudes and a lady that was two months pregnant. That's where they got the 2.2. No, that's a whole person, but you get the point. So that was, it was 3.2 million people. 
So that doesn't change us. We have to be people who have the word of God living in us. We have to be people that are opening our mouths. We have to be people that are loving those who don't know the Lord. But there are tools of access. There are tools that provide a means for a door to be open, for the gospel to go forth, for a church to serve a city. Serve a city in ways that we can't even imagine, perhaps, right now, by being a herald in a location where people gather for holidays, where people gather for community events, where people gather, where people come and as a destination for the arts or commerce or government, where there's just a bustling activity. And for there to be a place where the gospel can stream forth from there. And a gospel can be sent out from there as well. Where there is an access, where there is a, an, an availability, where there is an awareness, where there is an exposure in some ways for the gospel. Like theological geeky nerds, uh, they'll find us by, by searching, putting in a few theological terms, and I'm not going to give you what I think they searched with, what you searched with to find us, but a few theological terms you could search, and we'd come up real quick. The, the person who doesn't know the Lord and is lost and is hurting and is going through a divorce or has a chemical dependency, a substance abuse problem, or is just lost their job, is bankrupt, is just desperate and says, maybe I should look to God. They're not putting those words in the search engine. Uh, they're just going where they know. They're just going where there's exposure. They're just going where they've seen, where they've met someone. So there's a benefit to presence. There's a benefit to presence. A platform for the gospel to be declared for the curious, the open, the interested, and as we scatter for mission as well. God has given us a gift to steward, and I'm just jealous that we steward it in prayer. In prayer. And what would you do if someone came to you and said, uh, I'm going to give you a million dollars. And here is the catch. You, you need to use it for the purpose of God. But if you'll use it for the purpose of God... For the mission of God, I'll give you a million dollars. What would you do? Um, get a burden for the lost in Hawaii. Wrong answer. Okay, what would you do? There's a lot of lost people in Hawaii, so that actually might be a good answer. <laughs> I, I think you'd pray. That's what I would do. I mean, I, I've got to use this for the Lord. I think I would pray. I'm going to give you a million dollars. I think I would pray. I think I would pray, Lord, Lord, please use this. Please multiply this. Please use this to be an investment so that I pray and that it can be used and that it can, that it can be used in a way for the gospel to go forth through an open door. Well, that's what happened to our church. Somebody gave us a million dollars. I mean, that's about the value, maybe a little bit less. That's what we pay tax on anyway. We're paying tax on a piece of land over there. And that's what somebody gave us in the city, center of the city. And so if somebody gives you something there and says, we'd like a church built there where the gospel could be proclaimed, I just think it's time to pray. Lord, that's a sober, sober responsibility. We didn't finagle. We didn't go look. We didn't make a proposal. We didn't do all kinds of things to sell ourselves. It, it came to us. It's just from the Lord. And so when someone drops that in a lap, we're called in the first place not to dream and get a drawing out there. I'm glad we got a drawing out there. I'm excited about that. But, but we need to be a people praying. Lord, would you open a door? Would you open a door for us there? And would you open a door for us today? Today. And God, could I? We'll talk about this before we're done with this series. But Lord, would, would you enable me 
to participate, to invest myself, give myself to the building that you're, you're calling us, the opportunity you're calling us to steward. God is calling us, no doubt, to give sacrificially. But God is calling us, Colossians 4.2, to pray steadfastly. And I think, I've said this already, I think that's the harder of the two. I think it's easier to write a check than to pray steadfastly, continually, awake, aware, burdened for those who need Jesus. I think it's a lot easier to write a check. I think it's a lot easier to invite someone to church. I actually think it's a lot easier to take a bold step and share our faith and witness. I actually think that's easier to occasionally witness, to battle the fear of man and open my mouth and occasionally witness. I think that's easier than living a life of steadfast prayer for an open door. Seeing the Lord's heart being burdened with the Lord's burden for people, and then asking for him to move. And so that's why I'm talking about this today. Because God alone opens doors. That's why Paul is praying and asking for prayer for open doors. God alone does that. And the price to be paid in private in prayer, and the price to be paid in praying with others in the church, man, it's a sacrificial price. I'm the beneficiary of that. I already told you about my mom. I'm the beneficiary of that. My mom had health concerns, health problems, like some of you in the church do. She had health problems, so she had certain limitations about what she could do. And that turned out to be, that turned out to be a, an opportunity for intercession because she couldn't do some other things, so she prayed. It's, it's, a, it's a sacrifice. It's a joyful sacrifice, but it is a sacrifice. Yet prayer fuels the gospel mission. And so we want to be those who are praying. I want to talk about a couple ways to pray, and then we're done. First of all, pray that the gospel would be made clear. That's what he actually says. He actually says that here. That the God, Pray, verse 4, that I may make it clear. If Paul needs prayer to make the gospel clear and he's writing the Bible, then I need prayer and you need prayer. Particularly the leaders need prayer. Would you pray for me? I just really want to ask you. This is not a throwaway statement. I'm very aware of my need. Very aware of my need. I just want to ask that you would be praying for the gospel to go forth every Sunday morning for our church. I I pray that you'd be praying for the bridge as well. Rob is standing up every Thursday night. Some of you may be in that and sharing the gospel. There are people coming that do not know the Lord that are asking questions. It's hard for me to imagine something more important to pray for in the life of Grace Church right now. They're in the room hearing the gospel. We need to pray for an open door into their heart, like he's had that on us. Pray for G2. That's the youth ministry. There are lost kids in this church, and they're in junior high and high school. Pray for REACH. That's the college age. There are likely lost people in the college age in our church, certainly those who visit and come to those meetings. So let's pray right there. We've got lost people. We've got a field in our midst. Let's be praying for Pete as, and, and as he leads G2 and as others speak there as well. Let's pray for Rob as he leads Reach and others who speak there as well. Let's pray for our church that, that as parents with children, as coworkers, as people we meet, as family, as neighbors, God, would you do something that, is, that it's, it's so obvious it's an open door for you, an open door to share the gospel, to pray, to invite to pray about that. Secondly, let's pray that God would send laborers into the harvest. That's Jesus' language. 
Here's an amazing passage, Matthew 9. This is what it says, Matthew 9:35. As Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Jesus sees people that are lost, and his, his heart, it's his, the word speaks of the innards. He can feel it in his gut. He feels emotionally in his gut for people because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, this is surprising. What did he say? There's all these lost people. My heart breaks for them. The heart of the Lord is touched for them. What does he say? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So pray, pray that people would be sent out from our church to reach the areas that we touch in North Dallas. Now you have a new request. Pray for Austin. You're going to get one for another nation. Uh, Next week we'll talk about that. A request there. So we want to be praying that laborers will be sent out. And here's what happens. When I'm praying that God would send out laborers, my heart changes, and I, and I move from prayer to, like, volunteering for the service of being one of the labors going out. So we're sent as we pray as well. What, what is the harvest? Where is the harvest field? Where is the harvest field? It's where you are. It's the block you live in or the apartment complex you reside in. It's the cubicle uh, that you work out of or the airplane you fly in to make your sales calls it's the, it's the recreational, it's the team that your kids play soccer on. That's your field. That's the harvest right there. It's your extended family. If you have immediate family members that don't know the Lord, it's right there. It's right where we are planted. That's where the harvest is and beyond. Third, pray for boldness. Pray for clarity for those who proclaim the gospel. Pray for laborers to be sent, starting with us. Pray for boldness. Pray for boldness. It always requires boldness. Even if there's an open door, it will take boldness. Sometimes we take a step of boldness and then we see the door fly open. Uh, Sometimes it could get slammed in our face as well. We see that in the book of Acts. But sometimes it opens up. The book of Acts, the church is being persecuted. Uh, Peter and John are arrested. They come back to a prayer meeting. And the prayer at that prayer meeting is, it's amazing. Here's what they pray, Acts 4, 29 to 31. I know I'm giving you a lot of scriptures. You can jot these down and maybe look at them later. And now the Lord, and now they're praying, Lord, look upon their threats. Church is being threatened, new church. And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. Help us be bold, Lord, while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together, was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. No matter what doors open up, there is a boldness that the Lord wants to work in every one of our hearts, in my heart. God wants to grant me a boldness. God wants to grant you a boldness, not a timidity, not a fear, but a heart that is so convinced of the power of God in the gospel to change a life because I've tasted it. And so convinced that others need the Lord, that my heart is broken with compassion, just like Jesus. And I'm living a life of praying for them, and I'm asking for boldness so that when I step into the opportunity, I can act boldly. Number four, pray like this is war. The Bible talks a lot, it talks about prayer in various ways as combative at times. 
This kind of prayer for an open door, this kind of prayer for folks who need the Lord, it is a combative, long-term battle. It's not a fire up a quick one ever so often. It is a labor. At the end of Ephesians, Paul writes and and talks about uh, our battle. He says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, that means people, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul says, there are cosmic, demonic powers. They are real. They affect people And we wrestle against them. Now, we wrestle against them primarily with the gospel. That's what he goes on to talk about. And we wrestle against them in prayer. Because later in the passage, he says this, that we are to pray at all times in the Spirit. He says, pray for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly. Same thing. To proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul twice prays for boldness. He's the most courageous guy in the Bible, and he's asking for more boldness. But he's saying that there's a battle with powers, and so we must pray and we must ask for boldness to declare the gospel. It is a battle. John Piper wrote that life is war. That's not all it is, but it is always that. Our weakness in prayer is owing largely to the neglect of this truth. We fail to see there's a battle. We fail to see there's a war. And I live in a peacetime economy instead of a wartime economy so often. But when we see what's at stake and the battle involved, then there's prayer is what ushers forth. I mean, in this own chapter, we're in Colossians 4. Look down at verse 12. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, this guy in your church, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured at the will of God. So this is a struggle in prayer. It's a glorious struggle, but it's a struggle. There's people every Friday morning that meet down the hall at 6.30 that struggle for you in prayer. There are folks that gather every week, and they struggle that God would work. They ask. They repeatedly ask. And so pray like it's war. Here's the last thing. Pray with confidence. Here's something that occurs to me in all this that's really a glorious grace motivation. We're done after this. And that's this that we can pray with confidence that God answers prayer. Most everyone in the room that's a Christian, someone prayed for you and God answered that prayer. Most everyone in the room is an answer to prayer. So the fact that you're here and love the Lord, have been forgiven, have a new life, it's just the testimony that God answers prayer. He's no respecter of persons. Why would he not answer that prayer for your child? Why would he not answer that prayer for your neighbor? Why would he not answer that prayer for your mother or your father? I love this verse in James. You do not have because you do not ask. That's grace-motivated prayer. The two most potentially guilt-inspiring topics in a church are evangelism and prayer. And I hit them both today. Went for the twofer. Went for the twofer. I don't know anything that people immediately go, oh, I'm bad at that. Oh, I'm bad at prayer. Oh, I'm, I'm bad at, at evangelism. So let's combine them. Uh, okay. Well, the Bible combines them. Um, and, and that really shouldn't be where we are. We should be looking to the Lord. My heart is not that we look and say I'm bad at that, but we look to the Lord. And here's the grace motivation in all this. Here's the good news. When we pray, God answers the prayers. Here's the good news. It's, it's really a get-to more than a have-to. It is a requirement. It's, it's a command in Scripture. But it's a get-to. Who wouldn't want to see God act as we pray? 
It's a get-to. It's a promise from the Lord that he answers, that he responds. As we pray, he acts. That's why Paul says multiple times, pray. Pray that a door may be open. Pray that the gospel may be go forth. Pray that I have boldness. Why? Because God is on the move. And God answers those prayers. He delights to open doors. He doesn't delight to, to bless a human-centered activity that gives glory to us. Because then he's not on display. What God delights to do is open a radical door so that everybody says, this was the Lord. We prayed and look what God did. We prayed and look what God did. That's how the Lord desires to answer. Granting access, opening doors to the hearts of those who need of giving us admission, giving us passage, letting the word of God go through the open door to touch hearts. And so that's the kind of church we want to be. That's the kind of opportunity God has put in front of us. And that's the kind of response that he invites us to. Return to our Heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us and is eager. In some cases, maybe we could even say waiting to hear from his people, to cry out that he would open a door so that the word of God may walk through and penetrate the heart of not of a person, but I pray not just a person. I pray a city and a region, a revival of the Word of God, because only God can open those doors. Let's pray. You've been listening to a message from Grace Church. For more information, visit www.gracechurchfrisco.org.